1: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
2: From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod.
3: Today's Tuesday, October 5th. There are so many signs that would-be shooters put off before that they commit their act of violence, and that it's all about how you can stop that act from happening. That was Nicole Hockley, co-founder and managing director of Sandy
2: Hook Promise. Nicole and I dive into the issue of gun violence prevention a little later on. But first, your morning headlines. We began with Facebook, the popular social media platform, along with its products, Instagram and WhatsApp, were all down for several hours worldwide yesterday. This happened just one day after revelations that Francis Haugen had shared thousands of pages of sensitive documents and communications with the Wall Street Journal. The documents seem to imply unethical practices at Facebook that put profit over user safety. Haugen will testify before the Senate Commerce Subcommittee today. The former Facebook product manager alleges that the company thrived off of misinformation and instead of removing it, allowed it to propagate. She also accused the company of misrepresentation and omissions in statements to investors. She claims the company also knew that Instagram was worsening body image issues for teenage girls. Next to the United States Postal Service, which started quietly offering paycheck cashing services at several East Coast post offices. According to an agency spokesman, postal customers can now redeem their paychecks for a Visa gift card, topping out at $500. Federal officials expect to expand the test market to more locations and offer services like bill-paying and ATMs. For more than 14 million unbanked adults, this means bringing a government-backed alternative to paycheck cashing stores and payday lenders, both of which target vulnerable populations and charge outsized fees and interest rates. We end with COVID. According to the New York Times vaccine maker Johnson & Johnson will be asking U.S. regulators sometime this week to authorize a booster shot of its COVID vaccine. The FDA has already scheduled an October 15th meeting of its expert advisory committee to discuss whether to grant emergency use authorization for Moderna and J&J booster shots. Moderna is still gathering more data before making its request formal. New guidelines were issued on Monday by the Department of Defense. Under the new rules, all citizens who work for the DOD must be fully vaccinated for COVID-19 by November 22nd. Each branch of the military also released its own deadline, with most aiming for a November-December date. Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks said that the new mandate is in line with the president's directive requiring federal employees to be vaccinated. And now to our Daily Deep Dive, gun violence has risen to alarming new heights in recent years, making it the leading cause of death in children for the past three years. The stress of the pandemic and recent return of students to school are only expected to exacerbate issues, and experts expect a surge in school shootings. How can we keep our children safe? Here to help share her insights is Nicole Hockley, co-founder and managing director of Sandy Hook Promise. Nicole, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, So give us a sense, you know, under this pandemic, what are you most worried about as more students who were remote are re-emerging and back in school?
3: Well, you know, what we've seen this last year is a lot of anxiety stress and depression in kids that have been speaking to us with our anonymous reporting system. We've seen a significant increase in mental health reporting. We've seen a massive increase in suicide and suicidal ideation. 46% of the tips that we get now are just around suicide. So this means that There are kids that need more help than ever out there. They've been isolated for the past year. They've lost a lot of their connections. They've lost a lot of their supports. And now that we're emerging from that isolation perspective, we can't just expect that they're just going to be resilient and bounce back. They need more mental health supports, and we need to be prepared to help them. What do you
2: think schools who might not be equipped with the funding or capabilities, when they're reevaluating how they can prevent school shootings, what really works?
3: What really works is focusing on prevention. I've seen a lot of schools and, you know, I know schools are overwhelmed, so I don't envy the challenges that they have, but I also see that a lot of schools focus on, downstream violence prevention or hardening and security that's not really what the kids need right now we need to focus on learning the signs of someone who's in distress and how we can help them before it reaches tragic consequences schools don't need significant resources to rebuild connections to put in mental health supports with what they already have but to really also focus on these violence signs or in crisis signs so that they can take action when a kid needs them most what are the signs that a kid is in distress? There are so many signs to look for and we provide as much training as possible, but it's really about being in tune with children and recognizing changes in behavior. So we're talking about uh, sudden withdrawal from friends or family or activities that the child used to be interested in. Um, bullying. We've seen a massive increase in cyberbullying this past year. So any child that is bullying or is being bullied needs help. Excessive irritability or lack of patience. Someone who is experiencing chronic loneliness. Significant behavior changes in the way that they dress or the way they interact or obviously making overt threats of violence or self-harm. But there's a multitude of signs. And it's not always about the one thing of someone saying, I'm going to shoot up a school. It's about all of the signs that lead up to someone who is in crisis and needs needs that intervention before they take a tragic step forward.
2: Speaking of tragedy, for folks who might not be familiar, you have an amazing story about how you started Sandy
3: Hook Promise. Tell me about it. We launched the organization one month. After the shooting at Sandy Hook School, both of my children were at the school that day. My eldest was in third grade at the time. He's now a senior in high school. And um, Dylan was killed in his first grade classroom. He was shot five times and died instantly. And I didn't want to accept that as the ending. I wanted to create change so that no other parent would experience what I do every day. And the more I learned about school shootings and the more I learned about school violence and youth violence, I learned that all of these acts are preventable, that there are so many signs that would-be shooters put off before that they commit their act of violence and that it's all about how you can stop that act from happening. So I devoted my life to Sandy Hook Promise and our mission to stop school shootings and keep children safe in their schools and their families and their communities. What keeps you going? How do you keep doing this? I'm just so blown away. I'm not going to lie and pretend it's not exhausting. (laughs) It can be very traumatic, but I have a 17-year-old son now. I need to honor my son that died and I need to protect the son that lived. And that's what keeps me going constantly, knowing that this works, knowing that we have already saved hundreds or potentially thousands of lives from mental health, as well as from actual averted school shootings. That's what keeps me going Mm. every day. Why
2: do you think it is that America has the highest rate of school violence of anywhere
3: in the world? I think that we just don't really know how to handle the gun violence here. I think that normal outbursts of activity are to be expected, but we don't always know how to treat that we're often in denial. You know, a lot of parents will say it's not my child or not take responsibility and accountability for creating an intervention. I think we also have a lot of polarization and division in our country, and we're not necessarily dealing with it as responsible adults. And that is then what our kids are seeing, and that's what they're role modeling. I think school violence in general, we are seeing that absolutely increase, especially self-harm, as well as violence to others. And I think it's because we need more mental health supports for our children. We are not unique in having mental health needs as a country. However, I think that sometimes we fall short on being able to help our kids where they are. As these kids return back
2: to school, and so many of us are struggling with our own mental health, what do
3: you worry about the most, especially as we're all trying to reemerge? I am an optimist by nature, but this year I've been more nervous than ever about the potential spike for violence in schools because I don't think we have adequately prepared across the country to be ready to help these kids make new connections and to deal with the trauma that they've had over the last 17, 18 months, as well as help the educators that have also had trauma over the last 17 and 18 months. And I am very nervous that, This element of violence that's bubbling under the surface right now, or what we're seeing in terms of what's being reported, as well as the actions that have already started taking place, it feels like it's a powder keg getting ready to go off. And that's why I'm urging that we focus on prevention, that we focus on learning the signs, that we focus on creating interventions and being there for our kids to get them the help that they need so that we can mitigate against this violence.
2: We've got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Nicole Hockley, co-founder and managing director of Sandy Hook Promise. You're listening to The Recount Daily Pod.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect.
2: By visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. I'm here with Nicole Hockley. She's co founder and managing director of Sandy Hook Promise. And we're talking about gun violence and prevention. We all think about COVID 19 as being a public health epidemic. Back in April, President Biden said the country was facing a, quote, gun violence public health epidemic. What do you think he meant by using that term in regards to gun violence?
3: I think the president is absolutely spot on when he says that gun violence is a public health epidemic. When you think about roughly 40,000 people dying every year as a result of gun violence, and then the ripple effects of those that survive and experience it, this is creating serious physical and mental health issues. And it is an epidemic, and it's an epidemic that we can control and prevent and stop from happening. That is absolutely within our power. So I know that the president is very interested in working with the CDC and others to help create more research around this so that we can really understand the root causes and what is truly going to prevent them from happening. But I think as well, we have a responsibility within our communities to take more action and be more present in this as a public health epidemic and take the steps to stop it. In the same way, masks and vaccines are here to help stop COVID, there are many actions that we can take to help stop gun violence. You mentioned the CDC. They're actually
2: getting involved with funds and research, spending over $2 million on a surveillance mechanism to try and track people with non fatal gunshot wounds in real time. Are there other federal agencies you wish would step up here?
3: Yeah, we're very supportive of funding for the CDC and the NIH, the National Institute of Health, to get more research into effective and evidence-based gun violence prevention measures. We're also working closely and want to see more support from the DOJ, the Department of Justice, to help implement Extreme risk protection orders across the states. We already work really well with the DOJ in terms of the Stop School Violence Act that passed in 2018 to provide funding for schools to implement violence prevention programs. Um, and we're also working with different members of Congress in the Senate and House to pass the Stand Up Act, which is about expanding evidence based programs for middle and high schools nationwide around suicide prevention. So, I mean, there's a lot of other agencies that can lean into this. You and your organization have been working really
2: closely with the Biden White House on trying to pass legislation to curb gun violence. In terms of legislation, are you confident something might get passed?
3: Yes, I am absolutely confident. I think that the model state extreme risk protection orders that are already in 19 states and that D.C. is helping provide federal guidance on how to provide pass that in more states, that is going to be incredibly helpful because that works And um, for anyone who doesn't know what an extreme risk protection order is. It complements our know the signs because we teach you how to recognize the signs of someone who's in crisis or needs help. And then an extreme risk protection order is a legislation that means in, when you're seeing those signs, there is a judicious and due process for removing firearms from someone who is deemed to be at risk to harm themselves or someone else. They can then have their weapons returned to them once they are no longer in crisis. But in that moment, they are not able to purchase or use firearms to then carry out on their act. So we're very supportive
2: of that. So fascinating to hear you say you're optimistic. I haven't heard that sort of excitement for people pushing for gun violence support uh, and legislation. Who do you think are the biggest opponents to this legislation and what's really their criticism?
3: I think what gets in the way is fear. There are some politicians that perhaps aren't interested in doing the right thing, but are more concerned with their careers. I think there are still strong lobbyists out there, and I'm not just talking about the NRA. There are other extreme rights groups that are more focused on profit and proliferating messages of fear and anger as a way to purchase more guns for more profit, rather than, again, um, really hearing the voice from responsible gun owners across the country. I think that once we get past that fear and division, then we can focus on what matters, which is about protecting our children, which is about protecting our lives. But we still have some uphill battles, background checks, for example. I've been working on that since my son was killed, almost 10 years now. And we're in a more optimistic place than we have been in the past. But there's still challenges to overcome in terms of the fine details of legislation and ensuring that people understand that it doesn't mean we're taking away rights. It's about, you know, strengthening the law that's already there and ensuring that there aren't loopholes. And those things can sometimes create gigantic fights.
2: We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Nicole Hockley, co-founder and managing director of Sandy Hook Promise. You're listening to the recount Daily Pod.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
2: by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back to The Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. I'm here with Nicole Hockley, co-founder and managing director of Sandy Hook Promise. We're talking about gun violence prevention. You know, the research team here at The Recount pulled up this statistic that just amazed me when I read the research. Guns have now killed more children and teens than cancer, pneumonia, Influenza, HIV-AIDS, asthma, and opioids combined. It's now the leading cause of death in children. For parents like myself who are listening to you today, how do we talk to our children about school shootings and gun violence?
3: I think you have to be really open and not avoid the topic and don't assume that a child is too young to be able to handle the topic because this is what they are experiencing now. You know, we have active shooter drills in schools at very early ages now. Personalize your feelings that you have as an adult about this and validate their concerns and talk to them. But the most important thing is to really reassure the children in your life that you are judgment-free of them, you are a source of support for them, and that they can discuss anything with you. And then as an adult, if your child does discuss something with you that is concerning you, take action. Please take what they tell you seriously. Don't be apathetic about it or passive about it. And don't assume that just because a kid seems to be okay, that they are okay. Because we don't always physically show how mentally unwell we are.
2: My kids came home from elementary school one day and said, Mom, we had a drill just in case a big angry bear
3: comes into our classroom. And here's what we did. Boy, that broke my heart. I know it is heartbreaking, and it's not like stop, drop, and roll of when I was growing up. It's very different now, and it's scary. And there are some bad apples out there in terms of active shooter drills. You know, we hear horror stories of live simulations, and that is traumatizing kids. You know, I'd love to see more focus on just training adults what to do and not having kids go through these drills because I think it's too much for many kids to handle. And I want school to be a place of learning and community and helping shape them for their future, not practicing how to run and hide.
2: Sandy Hook Promise has a new video out. It's called The Teenage Dream is Not What It Used to Be. Tell me about this video and what was your goal on releasing this?
3: We've done PSA every year that's really focused on the warning signs and how they can be very subtle, but how you can recognize them accumulating over time and how it can lead to violence. And this time we've decided, especially with the number of children dying and the idea that some kids are now almost expecting their school to have an act of gun violence at some point, which is incredibly horrifying and heartbreaking. We wanted to focus on the survivors. We wanted to focus on what happens after the school shooting and how can we ensure that people are remembering these ripple effects for the survivors, for the community, as a way to remind them that it doesn't end when the shooting happens. This is decades of mental health issues. This is decades of trauma And we're getting to that point in the country, which is a horrible thing to say, where we're all going to be touched by gun violence at some point now. And that is a scary thing. I wanted to focus on what does that mean for the youth of today as a way to motivate people to prevent it, to say, this is not the future that I want for my child. Who do you hope this campaign reaches? Really talking to adults here, um, because I think kids they're the ones living this right now. They're the ones experiencing it. So we're trying to help amplify their voices to adults to say, you need to do something about this because it's very hard for a parent to not listen to their child when they're asking for help.
2: Do you think there'll ever be a day when school shootings are a thing
3: of the past? Or do you think they'll forever be with us? I want school shootings to be a thing of the past. And I think we have the power to make that happen. And I just want to ensure that we get to that point as a country. I don't know if there is enough positive passion right now with the adults in a country, but I think our kids are going to be the ones that make this change happen. I mean, look at everything that happened after Parkland and what continues to happen they are going to be the ones that say this is not going to be the future that I enable for my child. So I am very hopeful and I just very much hope that it happens in my lifetime.
2: Nicole Hockley from Sandy Hook Promise, a mom who took personal pain and turned it into something powerful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. President Joe Biden heads to Michigan today to rally support for the $1 trillion infrastructure bill, along with a $3.5 trillion Build Back Better, or reconciliation plan. This comes after a tough week for the administration, which is trying to rally two holdout senators who are refusing to back Biden's economic agenda. Time for an update. Windows 11 launches today. The new operating system will first be available on newer devices before opening up to all users. Windows 11 will feature a new interface, which will be closer to its Mac operating system counterpart, and feature options to make remote work easier. Users can wait until Windows updates on its own, that's expected early next year, or they can go directly to Microsoft's website. The update is free to all Windows 10 users. History will be made today at the U.S. Supreme Court when Michigan Solicitor General Fadwa Hamoud argues on behalf of the state in Brown versus Davenport. She'll be the first Arab-American Muslim woman to argue before the high court. Fadwa has had an expansive career, but is most known for her work as Michigan Solicitor General, where she led the investigation into the Flint water crisis. She's also the first Arab-American Solicitor General in the U.S. Have a great day, everyone. See you back tomorrow. This is a Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Nicole Hockley, co-founder and managing director of Sandy Hook Promise, for being on the show. And if you like this episode, do subscribe to The Recount Daily Pod and leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen.